Well, uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, I did want to give a recap, kind of some of the things that we went over the last time, so that gives us a little bit more context as we continue to push through, um, and because uh, we're just forgetful people. Um, So this is Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. Paul spent about a year and a half, a year and six months actually, in um, Corinth. He met Priscilla and Aquila there. I don't know if you remember them from other stories in the Bible, Um, but he had some amazing friendships there. He spent a lot of time there. A year and six months was a lot of time for Paul. And so he has a very special connection to this church. In fact, he would go into places and he would start uh, by going into the synagogues and teaching, and that's what he did there uh, until he got kicked out, but not before the leader of the synagogue uh, was convinced to follow Jesus because of Paul's message. And uh, his name was Crispus. Um, And so you have just a rich history uh, that Paul had while he was there. Now, I started out the last time with a clip from Casablanca because, as you know, this is uh, the love chapter in the Bible. You've probably heard that many, many, many times over. This is the love chapter uh, of the Bible, and we have uh, many instances where we've used these passages in our weddings and things like that, but it goes further than just a romantic love. And and I showed that kind of uh, that clip, that last clip from Casablanca, just because it's, it's passionate and we all know it. And it's a, it's a great scene and it's all about love. But I also showed it because it's not about the same kind of love that we're looking at in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, especially in the 13th chapter. And so, uh, but what I did want us to see was this, this love that is talked about all through this entire chapter uh, is a selfless unconditional love. It's a love that that first God has for us. And because he loves us with that love, we should then love others. And that's really the entire point of 1 Corinthians 13 is, is Paul is just saying you just need to love. Now he's talking to the Corinthian church. And I don't know if you know much about the Corinthian church. And we talked about this a little bit the last time. But the Corinthian church had a lot of problems in it. It's probably the problem church in the New Testament. And we always kind of point fingers at them until you realize that their problems are the same problems that we have. Uh, And we struggle with the same sins that they struggled with. And so here's just a few, just to name a few. Uh, They were having problems with their unity. They weren't being one. I don't know if you remember the the high priestly prayer of Christ uh, just before he is going to the cross. And he just says, I just want my followers to be one. And they're already having problems with that so soon after he has ascended. So you have problems with unity, problems with pride. Problems in marriages, problems with sensuality, problems with worship, problems with the Lord's Supper, problems with gifts. And so Paul just wants to write this church whom he loves with his whole heart and give them some advice on how to get through some of these things. And sandwiched in the middle of this, in, in the middle of this book is 1 Corinthians 13. And if you look at the chapter before and the chapter after, it's talking about spiritual gifts. And I think they were having this huge problem with spiritual gifts because they thought, you know what, if I have a better gift than that person, then that makes me better and I can, I can 
I can kind of uh, boost my spiritual gifts and I'll just be the best. And, and Paul's like, that, that's not the point of the spiritual gift. The point of your spiritual gift is for the church, not for yourself to be puffed up with vain conceit. And so uh, he puts this chapter on love right in the middle of these sections on spiritual gifts. And it's really interesting because I think this really gets to the heart of the problem in the Corinthian church. And the heart of the problem in the Corinthian church is a lack of love. You remember I talked about a dead frog the last time I was here? I, I had seen uh, this huge frog in Argentina. And uh, a truck is going by and I am just telling this frog from my truck, don't jump, don't jump. And the frog jumps right as the big truck comes in front of him and he's dead. And uh, there was no more life left in his body. He was 100% dead. He could do nothing. And I really feel like that is exactly what Paul is trying to communicate to the Corinthian church, that you are dead if you don't have love. You can have all these spiritual gifts, which are great, which are to edify the body. But if you don't have love with your spiritual gifts, you're nothing. You're dead. Uh, one thing I didn't point out the last time that we met was the fact that Paul starts uh, this entire chapter using himself and his, as an example. It's kind of like to lessen the blow. Instead of just saying, you're not loving each other, you need to start loving each other. He says, let me tell you about me if I don't have love. And so you have those, that whole section, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong. What he's saying is, you're, you're not having love. You are speaking in tongues and you are doing these things, but you're not having love. So you're just making noise. Uh, and so he's using himself in his, as an example. And that kind of changes in verse four, where he just describes, begins to describe to them love. So he says, look, I'm the apostle Paul. I'm guessing people like we do now, we pretty much elevate Paul to a huge high place in our Christianity because he's just such an inspiring character. And I know that they did the same, but he's saying, listen, everything that I am, if, if I don't have love, I don't have anything. In turn, he's also saying to them, make sure that you have love because if you don't, everything else counts for nothing. Everything has to be done in love. Spiritual gifts are nothing without love. And so then he goes in just to describing love. So first he started off, if I, then I am nothing. Now he goes in just to describing love. Here's how love is. And they needed this reminder. And I'll just read through that. We're not going to, we're not going to go through it again, but I do want to read through verses four uh, through seven. Listen to this. Love is patient and kind. It's, it's kind of a lesson to children, isn't it? I mean, just the basics of love. Let me just remind you, here's what love is. And he has to tell these full-grown adults, and we're in that same category. We mess up in the same ways. And so he's, it just sounds so elementary. And it's like things we know, but things that we're just letting fall behind and we're just not keeping an eye on. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 
Love bears all things. It believes all things, and it hopes all things, and it endures all things. It's it's so elementary. I mean, nobody was going to argue with Paul after he described love. Everybody knew what love was, but what had happened is they weren't practicing love. They were practicing anything else. My my son and I, Parker, were uh, in the book of Judges today, and we were looking at uh, just kind of the, the cycle that the Israelites went through. And the cycle was really simple. They would follow the Lord. They would fall away from the Lord. The, the Lord would uh, bring someone so that they would realize, maybe even a nation, against them so that the Israelites would realize, oh, we're not following the Lord. Then they would call upon the name of the Lord and the Lord would save them. And so uh, I, as I was going over this with Parker, I, I was just like, our temptation is always to fall away from the Lord. And when we fall away from the Lord, we need to remember that we can call upon him and he will come to us and he will rescue us from what we've gotten ourselves into. I think that's exactly what the Corinthian church needed to do. They needed to realize where they were and where they had been so that they could remember, we need to call upon the name of the Lord again. And so he can be our God again. So he can be with us and move in our church. And that's really what I think all of us want in in our church. In any church that we've been a part of, uh, we want the Lord to work in our midst so that he can reach people uh, for himself. And that brings us uh, to verse 8. And I would like to, is Mike still in here? Mike, hey man. Uh, Mike, he knew that I was going to teach today, and he said, well, what are you going to teach? And I was like, man, I'm not sure yet. And uh, this was was back on Tuesday. And uh, he said, you should finish up 1 Corinthians 13. And I was like, man, that's a really good idea. And then I got into 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the last verses, 8 through 13. They're pretty hard. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Anyways, um, let's, let's look at eight. Uh, Paul is wanting to remind them love is supposed to be the characteristic that, that characterizes your church. So if it characterizes the church and we are the church, love is supposed to characterize our life. And uh, if you look back at that list that I just read from four, uh, there's a list of things that the church is not to be, uh, like envious, boastful, arrogant, rude. These are the things that love is not, that, that the church is not supposed to be. But Paul is just wanting to remind them one last time, your church is supposed to be characterized by love and not all of these other things. And we get to verse 8, and it says, love never ends. Love never ends. Love is an everlasting love. Uh, It's kind of like the whining at my house. Raise your hand if you're a whiner at my house. Leanne, raise your hand, Leanne. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was mean. That was a joke. Uh, You're not a whiner. Not not at least when I have a microphone, you're not. Um, Love love never ends. It's something that is everlasting. It's eternal. Uh, I don't know if you remember from 1 John 4, 7, but uh, John describes God as love. God is 
love. And so one thing that I've realized as I've been going through this, one was that I don't have very many great commentaries on 1 Corinthians. Uh, And the second is that when we love, we are most like God. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. When you love, when you truly, unconditionally, selflessly love, you're most like God. Not when you get up and say the fanciest words. Not when you uh, do something good for someone else. It's when you truly love. That's when you are most like God. And love is everlasting. It never, never ends. I saw a, an interview recently, and it went, it went viral, I think, because it was in my news feed. I think our phones... <laughs> And whoever is controlling them really wants us to all look at the same things. Sometimes I'll, be, I'll, tell, I'll come home and I'll say to Leanne, hey, I found this crazy video on the internet. And she's like, yeah, I watched it earlier today. I'm like, okay, well, I guess that was planned by someone. <laughs> so anyways, there's, this, uh, there's a new movie coming out. It's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, and it's, I believe, the third. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a new Bill and Ted's movie. You're not going to be interested in it, so don't go see it. Uh, but the actor is Keanu Reeves. He's most recently uh, played John Wick. Has anybody seen the John Wick movies? Uh, those, those are violent, um, but they're, they're, they're like revenge movies. And so something in me is like revenge. I don't, I don't take revenge, but maybe I watch John Wick so that I don't. Um, but he has another movie coming out and he was on uh, Stephen Colbert's late night show. And uh, he's really just talking about Bill and Ted's uh, the new Bill and Ted's movie. And he is talking about really the whole premise of the movie, the whole premise of the movie, and you're gonna really not wanna see it after I tell it to you. Uh, The premise of the movie is that uh, they haven't, uh, Bill and Ted have not uh, done any music together, which was their thing, uh, for like 25 or 30 years. And uh, the universe is doomed if they don't write a song, okay? So they have to, in 80 minutes, they have to write a song to save the entire universe. And Stephen Colbert says, so all of mortality depends on this song in the movie. And he says, yes. And then what, is, what follows is, is a huge question from Stephen Colbert. He says, what do you think happens when we die? And I want you to just see that part, and I want just to, I think it's just a 30-minute clip, but I want you to see what Keanu Reeves said. Now, as far as I know, Keanu Reeves is not a, a believer or anything like that, but I do want you to hear what he says, okay? Let's, let's watch the screen. What do you think happens when we die, Keanu Reeves? I might have to start it over and bump up the, uh, bump up the volume. Can we start it over? Is that possible? What do you think happens when we die, There we go. I know that the ones who love us will miss us. John Wick, chapter three, Parabellum is in theaters next Friday. All right. Now I know from a Christian perspective that he didn't get that right. I understand that. But did you hear what he did get right? He has some high view of love, like a very high view of love. And he knows that whenever one of us passes, the ones who love us will miss us. I think it was a a pretty poignant uh, 
part of the show that night, especially after all the laughs and everything else that was going on. Uh, But I can't help but realize, and when I read this, that love never ends, I, I felt like, well, Keanu Reeves at least gets a tiny bit of what's going on here. He understands the permanence of love. It's something that lasts. And, uh, so I wanted to show that just, just to show you that even people in our culture who aren't believers have a high view of love. And I think we should too, especially as the church. So he says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And so he really, right here, is just comparing and contrasting two things. He's saying, on the one hand, we have something that is everlasting and never-ending. On the other hand, we have things that are going to go away. There's temporary things and there's eternal things. And at the end, we get to a couple more eternal things, which are pretty neat. Um, But he's throwing these two things side by side so that he can show the importance of love over these other things. So prophecies and teachings, that's foretelling the scriptures. That's really what we do uh, up here on stage is we foretell the scriptures to you. And he's saying even, even that is going to go away. Even that is going to go away and prophecies will be fulfilled. He also says tongues, they will cease. This would be tongues speaking in other known languages. They will, uh, they will cease. As for knowledge... Knowledge is something weird that you would think, well, that's probably pretty eternal. It, right here, it says, knowledge, will, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And this is where I started to thank Mike for getting me into this. And I'm like, that's, that's heavy stuff right there. So let's kind of wade, wade through some of that. Uh, when he's talking about what's temporary, he's talking, he's mentioned a few things, knowledge, okay? And then he says, well, we only know in part anyway. So we're, we don't even have a complete knowledge. Our knowledge is lacking. Love is not something that is lacking like knowledge. Love is, is complete. Love is forever, And so it's really interesting to me that he would even uh, mention these things like this. So knowledge, prophecy, all of these things, we just know a little. We're very finite creatures. I don't know if you ever just read the Bible, and I think the last time that I preached, uh, the point that I made was that every time that we read the Word of God, it should draw us nearer to God in humility. So it should always draw us nearer to God, but it should also draw us nearer to him in humility. And I think uh, this is exactly what that does. Paul is trying to remind the, the, the Corinthian church that they are, they're finite. They don't know everything. They don't have, uh, they haven't cornered the market on all of the spiritual gifts. They're finite. And our God, who is love, is infinite. And so everything that we know, everything that we think in our tiny little heads has, is just no comparison to what God knows. And he's saying, you, you don't, your knowledge isn't even complete. Because you, 
you know in part, and you prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So what does that mean, when the perfect comes? That means, really, the, the end of time. When, when Jesus Christ returns, there will be no more need for all of these things, because everything will be complete Everything will be complete. When the perfect comes, all of these things that were impartial and, and finite in our minds will be gone and will be done away with. But guess what remains? And we'll see that at the end. Love. Love remains. Love doesn't have that same finite quality that these other things that Paul mentions has. Then it sounds like he's just starting on something totally different. Seems like he does a huge subject change right here. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. And you guys probably know this verse very well. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. I think Paul is just trying to say, listen, all of your feuds, all the problems that we just talked about uh, a few minutes ago, like unity, like marriage, problems in marriage, and these things that the Corinthian church was facing, it's like they were thinking like children in everything that they were doing. And he's saying, look, when, when I was a child, I, I thought like a child, and I, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put those childish things behind me, and Paul just wants to remind the Corinthian church, let's move forward, let's leave childish spiritual things behind us, let's leave feuds behind us, let's leave all these problems in the way that you're acting inside the church, let's leave it all behind us, because it's now time for us to grow up. And what does a grown-up Christian look like? A grown-up Christian looks like love. That's what a grown-up Christian should be all about. And so all of our dealings with each other, and we'll have differences, believe me, in this church, we're going to have differences. All of our dealings with each other need to be dealt with in love. I'm able to love this person if they think this and I think that. I'm able to love that person even though in my mind, they are totally off base, but I am still able to love them. And I think it's when these little problems surface that we forget that our entire lives and even our God is love and our lives should be all about love as well. Let's go on a little more. When he became a man, it says, I gave up my childish ways. And it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. This was, this is where I really started to thank Mike for getting me into this. <laughs> uh, I looked, I looked up a little, lot about this. Uh, in some, in some versions it says glass. Uh, we see through a glass dimly. Um, the idea is that, that a mirror back then in the first century is not like a mirror like we know it now. Okay, And so what they had usually was some kind of a polished brass that they could kind of see themselves in. Okay, And it, was, it wasn't a great representation of yourself. If you had a hat on, maybe you could tell it was crooked. Uh, or if you missed a tooth, maybe you could see that uh, if you had a missing tooth in the, in the polished bronze. But it wasn't like a, a mirror today. I can go to the mirror and I can see exactly what you poor people have to see every time you look at me. Um, and I'm sorry for that. But uh, in those days, they, they had this 
this kind of opaque expression of themselves when they looked in what they had as a mirror. And so uh, this would have been very clear to them. There's a book called, uh, let me get this right. Misinterpreting Scripture with Western Eyes. It's a really good book because I think we come to passages like this and we think, uh, when it says, what, what does that mean? For now we see in a mirror dimly. I've never seen in a mirror dimly. When I see, look at my, myself in the mirror, it's like, it's like me. It's right there. If it's dark, maybe it's kind of weird, but uh, we kind of take our Western thoughts and we put them on something that happened like 2,000 years ago or an example that happened 2,000 years ago, and we really lose some of the meaning. And so it's awesome to have a great commentary uh, just to kind of show you some of those things that you might be seeing just with your Western eyes. Because when somebody says mirror, guess what I think of? A mirror. I think of a mirror like we have mirrors today. And that's not exactly what Paul was saying. They had a different kind of, uh, of mirror back then. So he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. We don't see things as they truly are in the here and now. We see like in one of those mirrors from a long time ago. We don't see everything for how it truly is. They weren't, the Corinthian church wasn't seeing their own problems as clearly as they ought to have seen them. But then we'll see face to face. When is then? It's, it's that same then when we are with the Lord. When we are with the Lord, everything will be complete. Our knowledge, uh, our knowledge will have passed away, but love will still remain. And we don't even understand that here and now. But then, when we are with the Lord, we will understand. Now, he says, I know in part. So now, I'm, though I know things, it's still not everything. I'm still a finite being. Then I shall know fully. I shall know fully. Even as I have been fully known, God fully knows us. And here's where we're going to close already. This is verse 13. I don't know if you had ever thought about it, but 1 Corinthians 13 has 13 verses. So uh, that's just a little fact that you can remember for the rest of your lives now. Uh, so now... He says, faith, hope, and love remain or abide, okay? Faith, hope, and love. So he's saying everything's, everything's going to pass away except these things, faith, hope, and love. And I don't know if you were presented with that. If you didn't know this verse, if you were presented with this, okay, somebody just sits you down and they ask you, okay, I want your opinion. What's better, faith, hope, or love? What would you say? Shout it out. If you didn't know this verse, try and I don't know if you can do that. Uh, if I didn't, but what do you think? Uh, right? <laughs> faith. Like I was thinking about it. I would have named faith had this, had this verse not been here. Because I'm like, faith, that's, that's faith. That's who I believe in. That's everything I'm about. And Paul says, yeah, these things remain. Faith and hope and love. And maybe we'd have put them in the order faith First, love, second, hope, third. Not, not with Paul. Well, he puts them in faith, hope, love, but he says the greatest is love. Do you think it's important that the church loves its own? Yeah, 
It's so important that we love each other. Paul is just trying to make it all crystal clear. He says, listen, your spiritual gifts are nothing without love. You're nothing without love. You're dead. You're like a dead frog in a back road in Argentina. You can't do anything. And if that is the characteristic of our lives, then it's going to be the characteristic of our church. But the characteristic of our church should be love. We should love one another no matter what. And when the world sees our love, and because we've been practicing love in the church, we can practice love outside of the church. But when they see our love, they're going to be drawn to the God who first showed his love to us so that we could love each other and so that we could love the world. Isn't that a beautiful concept? I hope. Now, I'm I'm telling you, I'm still working on this. We pastors don't get up here and think, well, I'm going to teach on love because everybody else isn't loving like I've figured out how to love. That's, That's never our attitudes here. Our attitudes are... I sure need to work on this. I bet other people here need to work on it too. So maybe this week, maybe just keep this in the forefront of your mind. I don't know how the the last time I did preach, I talked about just responding to God, the right response. The, The right response to a message like this would not be to go home and treat families without love. The right response wouldn't be to go out to the jobs, to your, all of your jobs tomorrow and do the things that you need to do and not show love to people. It's pretty, it's pretty easy if we can keep this in the forefront of our mind to put it into practice, to let the Lord take over and just love people no matter what. And there's some unlovable people in this world, isn't there? Yeah. Names, I'll pray for them. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Thank you uh, so much for being here today. Uh, I do want to say that Vacation Bible School is coming up very soon. Uh, That's June 3rd through the 7th. Uh, If you have children that age, make sure that you get them here. Uh, That's going to be amazing. Our family conference has actually been postponed. Uh, So if you are thinking of coming to the family conference this Saturday, remember not to come because it has been postponed. So uh, we're, we're going to release a date uh, for that in the future. Uh, but we're excited for Vacation Bible School. We have camps coming up. Uh, we have a mission trip to Atlanta coming up. If you have any interest in that, let me know. Um, and goodness, what else? We have a movie night kind of finishing off uh, Vacation Bible School. So we're going to do a movie on the back lawn. Uh, That's going to be a great time for us just to spend time with each other. Uh, It's a time to invite neighbors. It's time to invite friends. It's time to bring your family, have a great experience with them. Uh, We're going to be watching Mary Poppins Returns. Have you guys seen that one? It was pretty good and pretty true uh, to the original. It was pretty neat. So we'll have all that set up. That's the last day of Vacation Bible School, June the 7th. Um, So I think that really gets you up to speed with anything. If you guys need anything, uh, make sure you let Troy or I or Barry or Brian or Mike. uh, David Burroughs is not here, so you can't let him know anything today, all right? All right. Uh, You guys have a great night. Thanks for coming. You are dismissed.